Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Welcome to episode six. I'm Fraser Allen, and this time around, we're hearing from a really driven, charismatic entrepreneur from the Black Isle in the northeast of Scotland. She's called Claire Campbell. Claire's business, Prickly Thistle, creates bespoke tartan designs for clients across the world. The designs are currently created in a pop-up mill, which has returned weaving to the mainland highlands for the first time in 20 years. And a crowdfunding campaign is set to establish a permanent mill in 2020. Now, artisan entrepreneurs can be motivated largely by their love for their craft while struggling with the business side of things. But Claire is different. Beneath her genuine passion for the designs and the craftsmanship of her brand lies the steady beating heart of a chartered accountant. Claire is ambitious and this business is one to watch. We met in the lovely surrounds of the Central Court in London one very wet afternoon in November. And there's a bit of background clatter from the attentive staff. Enjoy, and to find out more about the Scottish Business Network, please visit sbn.scot. This podcast was created by White Light Media. Find out more about how we can help your business at whitelightmedia.co.uk. Claire Campbell, so Prickly Thistle, what a fantastic name for a business. Can you tell us what you do and what the brand stands for? Okay, so I'll go in reverse. So what the brand stands for, um, I suppose many people ask, we're... we're where does the name come from, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, it was to embody something that was kind of obviously Scottish because the thistle is our national flower. Um, but the prickly side is, you know, has, has a, a number of um, references in that we work in textiles, so it's very textured. So the word prickly, I think, makes people feel something when they right. see it. Yeah. And for us is we have very much kind of um, run with our theme of being quite disruptive in the sense that we want okay. to really yeah. kind of take a Scottish textile industry and do whatever we can to complement and grow in a slightly unusual manner. So prickly thistle is kind of a number of things. And in terms of what we do, um, well, we very much kind of operate within the, the space um, or the, the design world that um, surrounds tartan. But for us, our real focus is developing a new niche market that's very much about... Um, personalised, bespoke experiences more than anything else from a client perspective. But on the underbelly of that is really all our ethical our values, right. our driver, environmental. So not only do we want to create this amazing end experience for all of our customers, is that we're very keen to push the boundaries in terms of supply chain, raw materials, artisan, right. okay. professional careers. So there's there's two ends that so we're... So who are your typical customers? Typical customers. Well, so far we've worked largely with um, a number of corporate organisations, so quite well-known brands from whisky producers to, you know, quite well-known Scottish bands, for example, Runrig. We've done things for, you know, randomly, um, which most people find really cool, is we've designed for Skyscanner. So yes, a technical, you know, a technology company can have a tartan, um, a modern tartan. Um, And we've done things for private clients, Russia, Denmark, New York, Texas, you know, um, and clients who get married, who'd like to celebrate something, their own legacy and identity Mm, to hand to their families or individuals who just really just love the idea of having their own um, Scottish registered tartan and, um, you know, they could be part of a diaspora community, that type of thing. So for me, there is, you know, there's any excuse and let's, let's do so it. So everything you do is bespoke for specific Everything clients. we do bespoke, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, from my background, I kind of mm. took quite a bit of time to really understand what 
you know, what the lay of the land was and what the size of the industry was. And for me, I was very keen to not displace what was there. I wanted to come and contribute. So there is a number of mills within Scotland mm. who do very well, beautiful qualities and well stocked services for what most people associate tartan with, and it's the clan system. So, um, so yes, so basically, you know, I do my best to point any inquiries that I get for that type of thing to them. And I'm very much focusing on this niche area and, you know, heavily in R&D probably for the next few years. Right, right. Aside from the fact yeah. that we've actually just brought back weaving to the Highlands of Scotland. Forgot that. We've, <laughs> we've now built a mill. <laughs> so where did the idea come from in the first place? Uh, which part of the idea? Well, first of all, did you always want to set up your own business? Uh, um, yes. Um, I think there was always an interest for me, you know, with my background as a CA, having worked both in practice and industry, my life's work has been very much around organisations of different structures, different mm. stages in the life cycle, both as a professional advisor working in-house and developing their finance um, sort of forecasting um, support type of things. So I've always been very much interested in business because I worked in business at the strategic level. Right. And, um, yeah, and as time moved on and... Yeah, the itch started, and I thought, you know what, actually. So was it was it a question of you you wanted to start a business, but you weren't quite sure what to do? Yeah, I think. Oh gosh, I mean, it's it's not something I aspired to do in my twenties. It's just quite yeah. organic, and life experiences had defined things for me, and I'd. I was never kind of, I never gave up on anything very quickly. It was always kind of three or four or five years in a particular um, job or role. And yeah, timing just came with the children being, you know, at the right age. They were not babies. They were not needing to go to university terribly soon. That actually gave me the opportunity to explore something. And for me, I was very, you know, I don't know what, I, I can't explain why I do it, but I looked for probably one of the most challenging things to do right. that wasn't really on train, that no one really kind of understood. And I thought, yes, that's the area for me. So yeah. so I kind of was the, the black sheep of the whole herd. And okay. I went where nobody else was going. Okay. Um, yeah. but I think that's kind of who I am, to be honest. Well, let's, let's go back in a, in a time machine and back to the beginning of your, your life. And I mean, did, mm -hmm. as a child, did you have a, a great sort of passion for, for fashion? I mean, it's our business, I think, you know, I don't know if it's... I suppose everyone has a different interpretation. I try and try not to see it as fashion. Right. Um, for me, it's about purpose mm -hmm. more than anything else. And I think what I'm trying to build around the brand of Prickly Thistle is to show that this is um, that we are a brand of purpose. You know, we have our, our integrity, we're focused, we have, we're committed to our values. But what we deliver for our clients is something that has a, you know, a feeling of purpose to them. So from a corporate perspective, they're creating something that's legacy, it's storytelling, it's something that complements right. and allows them to articulate something special about them in what suits mm, them. Mm. But also for individuals, it creates something that becomes very, you know, you know, emotionally intelligent to who they are and their family and things like that. So so for me, I was always fascinated with the psychology around purpose right. and human yeah. uh, human beings. So not a natural fit with a chartered accountant. <laughs> but um, So I think that's why when I looked at this industry and saw that, you know, there's all of this kind of mystery around the fact that all of the clan tartans must mean something when a lot of it is, mm. there's the big kind of tartan forgery behind it that most people are not familiar with. Um, it just kind of seemed to fit. And mm. um, yeah, so it was... From when I was younger, yeah, it was, it was more about purpose than fashion. Right, right. <laughs> And where did you grow up? So I was born and brought up in the Highlands, just north right. of Inverness, um, within that sort of 30-mile 30 30 radius. So, yeah, so brought up there um, by my mum and two younger brothers. I met my husband when I was quite young. Um, and, 
I went off to university in Aberdeen and did my CA training in Glasgow. Um, yeah, married my childhood sweetheart. Um, had very blessed to have a son and a daughter, and yeah, I've kind of right. stayed there um, all my life. Right. But now I now I get to travel. And became a chartered accountant. Became a chartered accountant. Mm. Yeah. So that was back in two thousand and three. Um, and um, been very fortunate working on a whole sh- you know whole range and shapes and sizes of companies, mm. different sectors. Um, yeah, from the taxi driver that needed his tax return done for you know the next day, right. to you know large groups um, with overseas subsidiaries, you know commodity trading, service companies, you name it. So I was very lucky for about thirteen years, um, both industry and in practice, getting some great business experience. I suppose I learned from a lot of really interesting people, and I learned um, a lot of things maybe not to do as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so. So a lot of people, when they, they set up a business about something they're passionate about, have a difficult phase later on as the company grows mm-hmm. and they, they effectively stop doing what it was they loved in the first place and move on into a, a kind of CEO role. Mm-hmm. Presumably from, from what you're saying, you already, you're prepared for that yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah, no, I mean, I've never been a CEO of yeah. any of the companies yeah. that I've worked for, but I've been fortunate enough to be person. at board level yeah. for yeah. a lot of them. And so, yes, yeah, so it's probably, you know, that's transitioning into a space that I'm more comfortable with than mm. what I've done over the last few years, which I kind of frame quite often as a big due diligence exercise in the industry to understand what, sh- you know, where where have we gone slightly right. wrong with things? What can I do that really is innovative? What is disruptive? What does this mean from a Scottish economic perspective? What does this right. mean for exports? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so I came at it with a kind of, a kind of, left and right side of my brain fully engaged mm-hmm. I suppose so so what's the story of the company so far you know when did you start and how has it developed it since then? yeah uh, the company started trading in October 2015 and at that point um, very early on in the due diligence shall we say was that I will work with the Scottish supply chain you know if we have got right. so few mills yeah. within Scotland then how can I actually feed business and essentially become like a design um, design house design studio type model where Effectively, I would project manage on behalf of clients and just pull together everything that was involved in terms of delivering a collection for interiors, for a wedding, for you know a corporate events, etc. And so tried that for you know about 12, 18 months, and then it came to sort of early two thousand and seventeen. I thought actually, you know, this business is not scalable. Um, right. It's in terms of the supply chain was very small, mm. but I was very mm. committed to that. And obviously, obviously, impact or my ability to influence the supply chain in terms of lead times and deliveries and things was quite difficult. Um, and then what kind of really kind of presented itself laterally, you know, spring, summer 2017, was really that, you know, there was just the environmental, the, the kind of innovation, the real creative side to Tartan in particular. I mean, we create loads of amazing cloths in Scotland and, you know, tweeds and plain cloths and jacquards and you, you, a whole range of stuff. And they're not all necessarily have to be a Tartan design. But for me, I just couldn't get over why every piece of Tartan cloth woven kind of looked the same in terms right. of its weave construction yeah. and mm-hmm. and the kind of generalisation of, well, this is how we've always done it. And I respect that because I can see how it comes about. But for me to be able to really have some sort of influence over that um, R&D side of things was I had to have my own facilities. So, 
yeah, we were probably going to be the first business in a long time in Scotland to actually not buy a business that mm. was sadly going into administration. Um, we were starting from scratch. We were taking back this this industry to the Highland region, um, which you know the last mill that operated was twenty plus years ago, right. Hunter's Brora, which is a significant mill. You know, and it unfortunately closed down. Mm. So you know. Up until we started in the spring, there has been no mill in the mainland for, yes, I say, over 20 years. Right. So despite it being the Highland Dress and most of the kind of romantic stories, and certainly from an export perspective, there's, you know, it's heavily linked with the Highland of Scotland. Yes. We weren't producing yeah. anything. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was kind of, for me, it was to understand, you know, say, keeping the business going, how do I create scale and how do I add, even add more mm. value to what I was doing? And, yeah, I just decided that maybe building a mill was was the only way forward. <laughs> Building a mill sounds quite a demanding task. Yes, it was, has been it has been challenging, um, but in so many positive ways. Um, yeah, so I mean, we didn't know a lot of things, and yeah, you just don't want to know. Mm. But we've 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 just done a what I keep saying to the the, the amazing core team that have been part of um, the last six months. You know, we've we've kind of done the bear grills of startup. <laughs> we kind of landed on the island. We had no map. We had mm. no idea how we were going to eat. We had no idea if there was anything that was going to eat us. And um, six months on, we now are ready to build a village. So we've kind of yeah, it's been quite a. a we look back and yeah, it's been it's quite incredible actually. So proud of. of were of there any any particular difficult moments when things were going wrong when you felt it was all going to sort of crumble oh, around? Oh yeah, it, lots, yeah. <laughs> lots of them. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, for for me, one of the biggest disappointments, I suppose, in terms of um, Scottish skill set, mm. was that. Um, in the textile, fashion textile space, shall we say, whether you look at it from an academic perspective or the kind of, you know, from you know, general skills development through modern apprenticeships, and then you look at what's available in the sort of commercial world, is that we have lots of people who are capable of creating designs, wonderful. Mm. We have lots of people creating finished product. We have so few people pr- producing the main piece in the middle, which is the actual cloth. So, um, so for me, we opted to use some, you know, a really traditional method of manufacturing, which is far more labour intensive than the modern looms. You know, AI and Industry right. 4.0 is, you know, rocketing through certain businesses, and I get when you're certainly producing on volume, um, that that is definitely the way to mm. go. But for us, we were selling on provenance, we were selling on skills, we were selling an artisan, um, kind of exclusivity behind it. So incredibly labour intensive on the backdrop of actually there was hardly anybody left in the country that knew how to do this so yeah as I say we could have found astronauts probably easier than we have um, so the biggest challenge has been for mm. us developing our own knowledge in house um, working with this most amazing chap so thank goodness decided to not leave Brora when Hunters closed down he stayed and he was cutting grass in a local bowling green so we managed to <laughs> find tracked him down. we tracked him down my husband works in the motor industry and um, he managed to speak to a local um, garage in Brora and ask the question is there anybody about that used to work in Hunters and he said well actually there's this joiner so we managed to get this joiner he came down he said well I don't know how to work those machines, but I do know how to do that bit. But there is a guy who cuts grass in the Brora Bowling Club that um, he knows how to work that bit. So exchange of numbers, exchange of numbers, and then lo and behold, we've had the most amazing chap who's in his 70s, has come out wow. of retirement, and he has been an absolute joy um, 
to have in our team and yeah we feel proud to have him mm. and um, must be quite think, exciting for him yeah, as well I think it. the highlight for me was just last week when we were talking about we're taking on some new people now that we've as I say we've done the beer grills thing we now have the map and we can show the map to other mm. people so we're bringing on other people to get them uh, trained in, in this sort of skilled area and Martin bless him he's sitting he's oh Claire I wish I was 20 years younger because he just he's he's really quite excited and um, mm to be able to share that knowledge because he thought that was the end of the industry, that was yeah. the end of that skill set. And, yeah, so, so yeah, so so that's been challenging. because Without him, it would have been very difficult. It would have been very difficult. Yeah. I had a few other... There, there right? was a few other people yeah. on the list, um, mm. but um, when we had you all... You were searching of, every bowling green in North Scotland. Well, yes. <laughs> when we had the... When we made the decision to... After finding the, finding the equipment was as equally as challenging mm. um, because we wanted this particular age of equipment that was, you know, there's not a single computer on any of these looms. They're driven by cha- uh, shafts, chains. You know, it's incredible the engineering that's gone into these things. Um, so we're very particular about um, what looms we wanted to use. And um, so, yeah, so I, I was so pleased that I'd found them that I just thought regardless we'll get them we'll, we'll ship them up the country on two huge arctics and um, we'll deal with the fact of making them work when we get them here so, right, so, right. Yeah, so it's just the normal kind of you know take a chance and hope it pays off <laughs> so where is the business now and what, what do you aim to do next so at the moment we are you know just sort of backtracking a little bit was that you know we're the vision for the design studio, the realisation that we had to bring operations in-house, the real challenges of raising finance for that. As I say, going back to the, we were not the top um, sector across the board from an entrepreneurial Scotland perspective, but that's okay. That was, for me, was the opportunity. So actually, we had we took to crowdfunding for rewards. Um, so we were trying to be quite innovative in terms of how we could finance for our business. You know, much of the scene if you like, around 2016 and 17 was very much about debt or equity was the classic ways of yes. using finance. And I'm thinking, sitting there going, well, actually, the best way to grow your business is actually to sell something. Have you heard of this platform? And also, we did it in the 16th century when we, you know, <laughs> the, the, the paper producers and book producers, they sold copies in advance. So, not a new concept, but it was new again. And um, so we crowdfunded um, to give us the sales pipeline and the confidence to go ahead and do all of this. And um, and really, our our crowdfunding campaign has been been around this build the mill project that mm, we've been turning mm. it and this is about taking the manufacturing of cloth back to a rural regeneration so the mill we're in at the moment is a temporary building that we've leased an industrial building that we've leased for a few years that allowed us to get manufacturing um, so what's coming up very soon is our next season um, release shall we say where we had you know, well over 600 backers um, join us in a two-week period and we reached twice our sales target we've had product go all over the world from russia hawaii japan new zealand huge amounts to the states mm. and canada and across europe and we've had so many people from around the world come and visit us they turn up and go hello i'm a rebel from germany hello come in come and see what we're doing um, so that's quite a big project for us and it's really important in you know, our commitment to the story in the sense that we we have been been able to pull all these people around the world who share our values and what mm. we're trying to do and they are, you know, they're they're part of the story, as sure, you say, yeah. building yeah. the mill. And you know, our, we've worked with the local university and the architect students um, to develop the the restoration, if you like, of this old agricultural staging. And we are looking to do all of the capital works next year with a grand opening in 2020. And that way, we can relocate to this beautiful um, location that's, you know, perfect for um, the future growth of the company. Really. Right. Right. So. Any any advice you give to other? 
entrepreneurs using crowdfunding, things you learned along the way? Yeah. Um, I think for me, you know, there's so many great sources of advice out there on how to perfect the base campaign, um, be it for equity, be it for rewards, be it you know, product, service, or what have you. And I think, you know, you can read all of that, but I think having done it myself now, it's really knowing, you know, it's that classic, it's like how well do you know that customer who is going to, you know, who believes in your purpose? Mm. And then you just, you know, you kind of, you don't blank out what everyone else has done, but you, I don't think you can just copy somebody else in every sense and have the same level of success. You have to be so in tune with your audience then you will know what to do. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. So in some ways, it can be quite misguiding. So I felt like I, you know, when I was researching it quite heavily um, for the first time, it's like, okay, this works, that works, that right. works. But yeah. actually, yeah. I think the best thing is just you just to step back and mm-hmm. really think about who are your who believes in what mm-hmm. you're trying to do. And for us, it was it was quite nice in the sense that we were able to sort of frame all of this on a significant physical output so they were buying product yeah. but we were going to create this amazing building in the Highlands of Scotland um, which they were going to be part yeah. of forevermore yeah. and we have our register and things so so yeah so I think it's no, you know, the mechanics are the mechanics and they're quite quite simple in the sense mm, you know mm. it's, it's online e-commerce yes, type yeah. stuff um, but yeah it's just knowing who is going to get mm, excited mm. when they read about your project and right. just yeah reach you know and you can then obviously reach them in the right way because you know them mm. so well but yeah, yeah that would be my advice right and you're you're traveling a lot yourself at the moment as well been in the states recently yeah we were just um i was just out in detroit last month um, at a scottish north american leadership conference which is a kind of umbrella organization that came together through a, a group called Scottish Coalition out there. And obviously in America, there's a huge diaspora community, ma- millions upon millions of people that um, are very proud of their Scottish um, heritage mm. and linkage. And so, yeah, so every year they meet and they try and pull together all of the kind of challenges and issues and um, latest news that all of the communities, you know, from St Andrews Societies to Caledonian Clubs to Highland Dancing to Pipe Band to Highland Games, I mean, there's just infinite mm. <laughs> numbers of groups out right. there and they, they, they meet once a year to try and pull everything together and, and pre- create a spotlight of challenges for the next 12 months, so yeah, so they invited me out to speak at their event, um, so yeah, so it was nice for me to go to another area of America, certainly I've, I've travelled a little couple of times now to the east coast so to get mm. kind of middle ground just on the canadian border didn't make over the canadian border um and then next year cover both areas again and then head out west to sort of california big market for you. Yeah, yeah yeah and for me it's a, it's about our inclusive approach as well mm. now, you know for me we've, we've got backers right across the states well, right around the world but um i want to show that we are not you know we're not a company that will land on the east coast and then we stop you know yes. i really want to try and get out yeah, there and, yeah. and meet as many people that have supported us and right. and gave us that proof of life to carry on Great. really yeah. and what, what's the the ultimate plan how, how how would you like to develop the business over the next oh, five gosh. ten years yeah i mean oh we've got huge plans um but no i mean for us one of the, the most important thing is that we work on innovation r&d and um, mm the accountant kicks in now but there's a number of IP opportunities that we want to develop that gives us some really interesting scale options within the full vertical operations sphere Mm. of what we're we're doing so yeah so we've got a fairly intense next five to ten years where we want to achieve significant growth in what we're doing but it's it's all through the the sort of positive offshoots that come with other Scottish economies uh, Scottish industry sorry um 
so yeah, so there's quite a lot that we want to achieve. Um, yeah, and and to make it as big as we can, but not lose the kind of whole personality and the integrity right. of the brand. So, so diversifying throughout a number of areas. So I'm a bit being a bit kind of mysterious about a bit it. Cagey yeah, here, but you? that's what the rebels do. We don't we don't show all our cards. See, we're just like watch this space. But no, we've we've got a lot in the pipeline that we want to work right, on. Right. Um, as I say, our our kind of values really drive us so it's kind of yeah people just have to follow us one to watch absolutely yeah <laughs> and uh, we first met through the scottish business network how mm. how useful have you found that oh fantastic yeah i mean for me uh, coming down to london um for all of these meetings has been you know really really you know in the beginning hugely supportive because um, it was you know very early on kind of quite gosh and I think back how how little I knew um so they've been you know they're, they're very protective and, and mm. will help you as much as you um, they can and you know for me in particular because we are building a business that is so focused on international export then as a s- small Scottish brand at this moment in time coming to London has definitely proven to be right. the best place for mm-hmm. us to invest our time mm-hmm. we're a small team so we have limited resources from that perspe- um, respect so coming to London has definitely you know mm. is, is, is making the biggest impact for us and right. I think that's yeah. I hope is given us the best foundations for what we want to do in the next mm-hmm. five ten years so so yeah so for me it's the, it's the embracing of ambition the embracing of that kind of international um you know global scale of things mm. that you know it's just taken us just a normal right. thing to do right. so yeah I, I find it it's it's great company and like-minded people that i meet up with here right and it must take i mean it's almost all consuming i would imagine i mean how do you balance that with family life and do you have other uh, things that you manage to get away and do as well. Yeah, so balance with family life. They they come and work in the mill too. That's that's quality time with <laughs> <Right>. mummy. <laughs> come and help me. Help mummy do this for this design done. Um yeah, oh no, I mean they've had to sacrifice actually quite a bit this last six, right. seven months because we are literally there seven days a week. Um they're you know, they don't all have to come seven days a week because they have a they have a life during the day, um, bless them. But they'll be thinking They've probably never been so happy to go to school, to be honest. <laughs> um, so yeah, both of them are still quite young, and my husband works. But um, yeah, you know, so fortunate um, that um, they believe in this, and, and actually, from us as a family and my previous careers, that it's been a really nice opportunity for us to kind of take restock of our our lives and what we're doing. You know, we were very fortunate, and you could just you know you could go here, you could go there, but. We, re- we reshifted things and um, I'm hoping the children are, can be inspired to follow their dreams and their ambitions and they're seeing that, you know, what it's like to deal with a knockback and, mm, you know, things mm. like that. So I'm hoping that it's it's teaching them something that's it's sometimes hard lessons, but I'm hoping that they can get some real positive from it. And my poor husband, well, <laughs> gosh, we're 24 years on now, so we're kind of past the point. He just has to <laughs> bless him. But no, he's been, yeah, he's... It's been really, really exciting for us because it's just something completely different. So, and the extended family. So, so yeah, we, I've made a promise to them all that when we get to the end of this calendar year, come January, I will at least take a Sunday off. <laughs> so that's a start. <laughs> um, so we can play games um, right. and things like that, and just yeah, bake with my daughter. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, so that's next year. So I've managed to push them <laughs> off till then. <laughs> no, um, just very, very lucky actually. You couldn't do things like this without 
a supportive yes, family. Absolutely, and, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, they believe in me, so there's pressure to deliver mm, as right. well. But well, it's a good incentive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just, just, yeah, so lucky. Well, that's a brilliant story. Thanks very much. We wish you all the best with Prickly Thistle and we'll definitely be looking to see what you get up to. Thanks very much, Claire Campbell. Thank you. Pleasure. Good luck to Claire and it's well worth checking out the beautiful in-house videos telling the company story that her and her team have created for the PricklyThistleScotland.com website. That's all for now. We'll be back in a fortnight. Bye-bye. (laughs) 